This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's Daily and sometimes more than daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Forsyth. Now, it's not over at the time of recording, but we have a lot of the appointments when it comes to Rishi Sunak's reshuffle. James, what do you think is the biggest theme so far before we break down the appointments? I mean, the biggest theme so far is an attempt to say that this is a broad-based government uh, reaching out to all the Tory tribes and trying to kind of put round pegs in round holes. Um, So you see Jeremy Hunt kept on as Chancellor. You see James Cleverley, who backed Liz Truss this summer and then then backed Boris Johnson uh, before Boris Johnson pulled out, kept on as Foreign Secretary. You see Suella Braverman, who was Home Secretary until a week ago, return to the Home Office. Uh, Then you see Michael Gove back at levelling up. You see um, Gillian Keegan, who's been a skills minister, become the Secretary of State for Education. Um, You see Steve Barclay, who did the health job over the summer and all the contingency planning for the winter, come back there. You see Therese Coffey, Liz Truss's closest friend in politics and her Deputy Prime Minister, go to the Department of Environment, where she'd served two tours as Junior Minister. You see Dominic Raab, a, a close Rishi Sunak ally, return to the job that he had before, which was Deputy Prime Minister and, and Justice Secretary. And you can see that, 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 that what the Sunak team are trying to do, and I should say, as I always do, having known him for years, uh, they are, they are, what they are trying to do is trying to avoid the mistakes, I think, of the, of the trust reshuffle, where, where there was a feeling that what was happening was people were just being picked on whether they had backed her or not in the leadership contest. There's that infamous reported conversation with Grant Shapps, who's now the business secretary, where Trust supposedly said to him, look, you're very good, you're an effective minister and a good communicator, but you didn't back me, so there's no room at the end. It, it looked like this has been inclusive and it isn't holding out against people. You know, Chris Heaton Harris, for example, who's doing Boris Johnson's numbers, he stays on as Northern Ireland secretary. There is still plenty of Rishi Sunak loyalists, I think oh, yeah, it'd be fair no, to point no, out. Absolutely, so absolutely have... clear that the, 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 the Oliver Dowden, for example, one of Rishi Sunak's closest allies, comes in to do one of the most important jobs in government, Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster. You know, look, given that he has both Number 10 and Cabinet Office experience, he's going to be absolutely crucial into whether they can make the machine work. Simon Hart, who backed Rishi Sunak in the leadership contest, becomes the chief whip. I think the, the, the failures of a trust government demonstrate just how important that job is. There's a huge amount of pressure on him. Um, Steve Barclay. Steve Barclay, House Secretary. Dominic Raab. Yeah, I mean, there will be people who will say, oh, you know, you can't bring all these people back, etc., etc., etc. I think there is, I think, though, uh, and we'll have to see how Tory MPs react to this in the coming days, I think there is probably enough balance here in terms of the people who have, who didn't back Rishi Sunak, for him to be able to say, look, I'm bringing some of my own people into government too. But, you know, and, and I'm sure we should mention in terms of Rishi Sunak, lawless, you know, Mel Stride, a crucial figure in his campaign, enters cabinet as as welfare secretary. Now let's break down some of the more controversial parts of this reshuffle. I think because I think this isn't a Rishi Sunak loyalist, but Suella Braverman has been reappointed as Home Secretary just six days uh, after uh, she left the role under Liz Truss. Uh, that was down to a security leak. Now we also know Suella Braverman was very important uh, to Rishi Sunak over the weekend when she came out to back Rishi Sunak on Sunday and not go for Boris Johnson. It was a moment when I started getting lots of messages from MPs saying this is done. 
Boris Johnson really needed an endorsement that would give his campaign some momentum. That evening, he decided not to, not to go for it after all. What do you think is going on there, James, in the sense that you've had quite a few people since the Braverman appointment question the wisdom of bringing back someone to such a senior position, a great office of state, who just a few days ago were had to leave because of a technical breach of the ministerial code. Is it that the breach is not seen, that word technical was used at the time, not seen as so serious, or is it that a deal was made? So this is the appointment that Labour are, are concentrating most of their fire on. If I had to guess what Keir Starmer might go on tomorrow I sus- at PMQs, I suspect it might be this, an attempt to say, look, you said that you were going to have um, accountability at every level of government. Why is somebody broke the ministerial code a week ago being brought back? I mean, the counter-argument to that will be that this was really part of a broader argument between Truss and Braverman on immigration. I think... Rishi Sunak can't really say that, though, can he? Uh, no, that is, that is, that, but saying that would be an interesting line. I think what this is, is a recognition that, you, that, you, that political parties build internal coalitions to avoid external coalitions. And I think this is essentially saying to the, the right of a Tory party, you know, you have someone, a representative at the top table. Remember, Jeremy Hunt, the Chancellor, is far more from the kind of one nation tradition of a Tory party. Um, but it is undoubtedly going to be the most controversial of these appointments I think the point here as well is I think Swella Raven will come under a lot of scrutiny I think she cannot afford to repeat even the kind of technical mistakes that that cost her her job last time around I mean there will be there will be a huge amount of scrutiny on her now other appointments which I think I suppose there's two things it is, in a way, it's a continuity cabinet. You mentioned about it's reaching to different wings of the party. Lots of what Rishi Sunak has done is almost just undone some of the Liz Truss appointments. So you're going back to a point where, you know, Dominic Raab has the two briefs he had, what, six weeks ago? No, no, no. Uh, yeah, we suppose yes, because yes, yes, he didn't resign. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are a few others like that. Do you think Rishi Sunak... Often when a, when a new leader comes in, they want to project change. That's what Liz Truss wants to do. Is Rishi Sunak almost trying to do the opposite, I wondered, in the sense that he obviously wants to say the mandate comes from the 2019 election. He's saying the sticking place is a manifesto. It feels as though he's trying to have almost more of a continuity feel to his government in a bid to stabilise things. I mean, there's an element of that. I mean, there's also a recognition that the, the Tories have got two years or so until the next election. And, you know, trying to get people totally up to speed on a new brief in that time is difficult. So, for example... One of the new appointments, someone who hasn't served in cabinet before, is Julian Keegan, who becomes education secretary. That, astonishingly, is the fifth education secretary this year. And so I think there is, a, you know, every, if you, every time you bring a, a new secretary of state in, it takes them some time to get up to speed. So I think what you're trying to see is like, right, let's see people who know these issues and send them back to do it. I think the hope in the number 10 will be that, 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 that because the prime minister himself has changed, what is normally in cabinet reshuffle, we look for what's the story. Here, this is a reshuffle being conducted on a day when there is a new prime minister. I, I, you know, that is clearly the story, if you see what I mean. Another thing when it comes to the reshuffle, James, is Kemi Badenoch's role. Now, she is uh, reappointed as International Trade Secretary, but she now has the Equalities Brief. Can you explain how this is different? I mean, she briefly didn't have it when Liz Truss came in, but uh, how is it different to how she, when she held parts of that under Boris Johnson? So Liz Truss was always the senior minister for equalities. Um, and what it means is that 
Chemi Maidenock is now in charge of all these things. The kind of work that was done by the Sewell Report and the Commission on Racial Disparities, for example, issues of gender and transgender rights and all of these things. These now fall into Chemi Maidenock's purview. She stays as, as International Trade Secretary, but she also is in charge of this. And what do you think that would mean for what she's going to bring? The cred stuff, Commission on Racial and Ethnic Disparities, that is clearly something that Kimmy B. not cares about a lot. I think those people will say, oh my word, it's going to be culture wars and war on woke and all this stuff. I, I think we wait to see how Kemi Vaynerchuk does it. I think one of the things that Kemi Vaynerchuk has been trying to, to position herself as in, in, in her leadership bid and since is to say, look, that there is more to her than culture wars. And the, But I think she does think that some of these issues uh, are of fundamental importance. Now, we also heard from Rishi Sunak earlier today. It was his second address to the public because we had that very brief address where he couldn't work out where the camera was on Monday. I think we can hear a clip. Let's listen to a clip of what he had to say. I want to pay tribute to my predecessor, Liz Truss. She was not wrong to want to improve growth in this country. It is a noble aim. And I admired her restlessness to create change. But some mistakes were made. So James, for me listening to that, I thought what was really interesting was um, the fact that Rishi Sunak, at his address to MPs at the 1922 committee yesterday, made a big thing of praising Liz Truss, also praising Boris Johnson and Penny Mordaunt. And ultimately, I think, using it to try and unify. Whereas in this address, of course, he did praise Liz Truss. But the thing I think we all took away from that was instead the fact he said, you know, mistakes were made in her watch. And a large part of the reason I am here right now is to try and fix those mistakes. How do you think that's going to land with MPs? And how do you th- what have you been hearing so far? Because obviously Liz Truss did eventually, you know, several weeks after the not-so-many budget, say that she'd gone, you know, too fast, too hard. But still the line for quite a long time was of global factors. So do you think that... Who was the message aimed at? Was it aimed at the public? Was it aimed at the markets? I, th- I think it was aimed at the public. I think he was trying to explain why um, the country thought on the 6th of September they got a new Prime Minister, and here we are before the end of October, and they've got yet another new Prime Minister standing in front of them. And I thought you could see in his language how careful he was trying to be not to, not to cause too much upset to, you know, among Liz Truss and her supporters, saying that you know, these mistakes were made from the very best of intentions, that he admired her restlessness for change, that she was right about the need for growth. But I think that he is, I think what he was trying to say is like, look, this is what we've got to do. And then I thought the difficult decisions thing, I thought, was, I thought what was striking about the whole speech actually is normally when new prime ministers go into number 10, if you just think back to Liz Truss going into number 10 or, or Boris Johnson, you know, even in difficult times, there are kind of big smiles, there are, um, you know, it's, it, they, they try to be very upbeat. This was all, this was like very deliberately, very almost sombre, you know, difficult decisions to make. You know, when Rishi Sunak stood on the, doors of number 10 you could hear the photographers kind of shouting at him kind of give us a smile but he wouldn't he just kind of stood there you know look, looking serious and I think this is them trying to say look look that they have they, they know that they have a job of work to do and I think they also think that I think there is also an awareness that the country has seen you know so many changes of government this year but if you that, that, that if you try and do it with a full hullabaloo people would be like can you just get on with it please Thank you, James, and thank you for listening.